Hello, and welcome to Monument Biography, a series where we explore how every place can come to take on different meanings for different people, with one space living multiple lives. I'm Emily Newmeyer. really knows what happened on the morning of September 23rd, 1780. But the aftermath changed the entire course of the American fight for independence. In this episode, producer Molly Bernhardt will be discussing the famous capture of Major John Andre, a British spy, by a group of Americans in Terrytown, New York. The subsequent monument that was created to commemorate the event honors and glorifies the captors. Historians likewise argue that Andre's arrest saved the fate of the Continental Army in the American cause. We take a deeper dive into the stories of the captors and consider whether or not they were in fact the heroes that history has made them out to be. Here's Molly with the story. Today we will be discussing one of the most important events in American history that you have never heard of. Act 1. The Basics On the morning of September 23rd, 1780, John Paulding, Isaac Van Wart, and David Williams, three local boys from Westchester County, caught and captured the British spymaster, John Andre, which led eventually to the discovery of John Andre's spy in the American camp, who we all know, Bennett Darnold. The story goes that Paulding, Van Wart, and Williams were part of a group of four other militiamen. Now, these other four men were stationed on one road, while Paulding, Van Wart, and Williams were stationed on another road, and their objective was to catch anyone who was trying to steal cattle from the local farmers. It is on this road that the three young men happened upon Andre as he was riding back down to the British lines in New York. So Andre asked the boys to which party they belonged to, the Americans or the British, saying that he hoped they belonged to his party. The men asked him which party that was, and Andre responded that he was for the lower party, a reference to the British, as they were the occupant of a lower section of the state. When the three responded that they were Americans, Andre became nervous and showed the three young men a pass that he carried, saying that he was John Anderson and that he had been given access to travel through this area to the British lines, which was signed by none other than the American general Benedict Arnold. 
However, this was not satisfactory to Paulding, Williams, and Van Ward, and they decided to search him. They found papers hidden in his boot that described the layout, armory, and infantry of the American military fort of West Point. Upon realizing the importance of this information, the three young men decided to turn Andre into the American army. Andre tried to bribe them with his gold watch, his saddle, and any other goods and money he had. They refused and brought him to Colonel Jameson of the Continental Army at the American headquarters in Northcastle. Andre convinced Jameson to send him to Benedict Arnold as he was the man who had signed his pass in the first place, to which Jameson agreed, and sent him on his way with Lieutenant of the Continental Army to escort him. However, an American officer and spymaster in his own right, Benjamin Talmadge, grew suspicious of this and demanded that Andre be brought back so he could be questioned further. Despite this, Jameson sent ahead a letter to Benedict Arnold telling him that they had captured a man called John Anderson and that he had been found with the letter Arnold had signed giving Anderson a free pass, as well as papers on him that could have, quote, very dangerous tendency. Jameson also wrote that he had sent these papers on ahead to General Washington, who was supposed to be meeting with Arnold that very day for breakfast. When Arnold received this letter, he realized that he would be found out as a spy himself, so Arnold fled and joined the British in New York City. Things did not end well for Major Andre. He was tried and found guilty of espionage by the Continental Army. Because he had disguised himself, he was not considered a prisoner of war, but a spy. As a result, he was executed on the 2nd of October, 1780, in Tapan, New York. Two, the monument, otherwise known as the Capture Monument, in commemoration of this event in Terrytown, New York. So, the monument itself is in Patriots Park. The monument was a simple plain obelisk of local dolomite with an inscription at the base which reads, On this spot, the day of the 23rd of September, 1780, the spy Major John Andre, adjunct general of the British Army, was captured by John Paulding, David Williams, and Isaac Van Wart all natives of this county. History has told the rest. The people of Westchester County have erected this, as well to commemorate a great event as to testify their high estimation of the integrity and patriotism which, rejecting every temptation, rescued the United States from most imminent peril by baffling the arts of a spy and the plots of a traitor. The monument was later added to on the occasion of the centennial of the capture in 1880, when a bronze statue of John Paulding, the so-called leader of the three men, was added to the top of the pillar after the spire had been cut flat. Paulding is shown alert, turning in the direction of a possible sound, his rifle at his side, the barrel held in one hand while the butt of the gun rests on the ground. The bronze base has been carved with a dedication explaining that this statue is a gift from John Anderson, a citizen of Terrytown. On the front of the Dolomite plinth, a base-relief carving was also added, which shows a scene of Andre trying to bribe Paulding, Williams, and Van Wart. In an article by American Architect and Building News from 1888, states that the statue was based on a portrait of Paulding and that the base relief was based on an earlier painting of the scene. The statue was made by William Rudolph O'Donovan, an American sculptor who specialized in portrait busts and memorials. The relief was carved by Theodore Bauer, another American sculptor who made busts, statues, and small figurative scenes. Now, when you walk past this monument, you're not going to really notice it. It's on the side of the road, on a busy street. 
It's right at the very edge of the park. Sometimes people go there for the farmer's market on Saturdays. So it's kind of just tucked away on the side. There are plaques around it that explain vaguely what it is. There's even a plaque by the state of New York called Andre Captured, and it says here in 1780, three honest militiamen arrested Major John Andre, adjunct general British Army, disguised, preventing disaster to the American cause. Which is kind of helpful, but unless you know the historical context of what's going on, you would be rather confused. This moment is a turning point for the Americans. If John Andre had not been captured, Ben McDonald would technically have not been found out as a spy as soon as he had been. Which means he could have still spied on the Americans and smuggled information about what was going on on the American side to the British for John Andre. Now, when you look at this monument, you would not have any clue who the statue on the monument is. It could be anyone, really. It is only if you actually dig into the information and research it thoroughly that you would know that it is John Paulding, one of the three men who captured John Andre. Act three, many different stories. Who's right and who's wrong? I was lucky enough to speak with the historian for the Sleepy Hollow area who was able to discuss this monument with me in further context. Henry Steiner is a local historian for the area and has lived there all his life. I grew up locally and so that's, that yep. monument has been a fixture in my life. It, it, you know, it goes back to the mid 1800s and then it was restored, then it was modified later yep. in that. Before it was just like a little stone and then they put the big old statue on there. You know, one of the really interesting things about that monument is that the um, renovations that came later around 1880. So I asked Henry why they had chosen John Pauling to be the subject for the main statue on the plinth and this was his response. Joel, uh, Paulding is generally regarded as the leading spirit of the three captors. So you would think that the story is very cut and dry that the good guys won, the bad guys lost, and America was saved. Yes, America was saved. However, there is a bit of controversy over whether Paulding, Van Wart, and Williams were actually militiamen and heroes, or if they were highwaymen who got lucky. Because there is this question of whether they were there to plunder from local merchants who were traversing through, quote-unquote, no-man's land. The area that Andre was captured in was considered a bit of a Wild West, if you will, where British law didn't exist and neither did the American law until you reached the British line in White Plains, which was about eight or nine miles away, which is where Andre was heading to. So there is this speculation going on about whether or not what happened actually transpired the way we would assume. Because there are several different stories coming out about what actually happened. There's a version from Andre. There's a version from Williams. 
there's a version from Van Wart, and there's a version from Paulding. And each of them are conflicting to each other. And of course, each of them has their own prerogative for their version of the stories. The three young men want to be remembered as heroes, and they want their actions to be brave and considered honorable. And Andre, of course, doesn't want to be remembered as someone who was caught by three boys. I mean, that's kind of embarrassing to someone of his standard. But he also is from a higher class than these young men. These young men are farm boys, and he is from the gentry. So there is this hint of social unrest and class warfare going on. However, this could also be just someone who got unlucky. I discussed this theory with Henry. Well, there was a controversy that rose up, uh, and it was inspired primarily by Benjamin Talmadge, who was basically the counterpart of Andre. He was the spy master for, for uh, Washington. And at the t after the time of the capture, when, when Andre finally revealed his identity to the Americans, it was Talmadge who was placed in charge of getting uh, Andre over to Tepan, New York, where George Washington then had his headquarters. So all that way, they were together and they were brother officers. They were on different sides, but they were both uh, polished young men. And uh, Andre was pretty good at manipulating people. And I uh, said, well, you know, these Bushmen came out, of the, came out of the shrubs, you know, basically trying to cast aspersions on them. That was really an ambush. So he cast those aspersions on him. Meanwhile, it was Andre who was out of his uniform, who had resorted to espionage to try to foil his, uh, his enemies. Uh, and he admired Andre. He admired him because he was so polished and so refined and so appealing. To an ambitious young American, he was an admirable figure. Now, what Henry's referring to here is a petition that was made by John Paulding in 1817, where he asked Congress to give him, and only him, more money. However, Congress decided to decline to give him more money, as they decided that it was unjust to legislate a greater pension for a single person since many veterans languished in obscurity and want, and to whom no relief had been or would be extended. Now, these men had already been rewarded quite well by Congress and George Washington himself. They had been given funds, they had been given medals, they had been given farms. Again, Henry. Only the three who captured Andre were uh, given uh, very valuable prizes for that service by Congress and by the state, by the state of New York. So, and the fact that they were so highly rewarded and the fact that Washington spoke so glowingly of their loyalty is part of the argument against a, any suggestion that they were outlaws. Other thing that he's citing is Benjamin Talmadge personally led this dismissal of Paulding's request. Now, what Henry is saying is that he did it because of personal feelings of respect and honor towards Andre, who he had been guarding during the time between his capture and his execution. However, Talmadge says that these men were not patriots, but cowboys, 
who looted and pillaged from both the American army and the British army in Westchester on the neutral ground. And they had stolen Andre's clothes, his horse, and his watch, and they only turned him in because he would not give them more money. But if he had, they would have let him go. Again, Henry. Well, you know, the, the, everything Andre had was high quality. I mean, the horse was high quality, the uh, clothing, his watch. And he said, and by the way, oh, here's a, here's a pass from your commanding officer. Paulding at that point said, well, look, we, we mean no mis- disrespect, but we're going to have to take a look at you. So get down from the horse and come with us. And so they started searching him. And uh, they didn't find anything abnormal because the guy was, the guy was pretending to be a merchant from the city, and uh, you know he was pretty much he probably looked pretty much like that. He was a prosperous guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody had a watch unless they had money. You know, nobody had boots like that unless they had money. So they they searched him. Now the captors' names would probably have not been brought up again and dragged through the mud as they were if Paulding had not asked for more money in 1817. Up until that point, they were usually regarded by the general populace as heroes. They had ballads written about them, they had songs sung about them, they had plays. Paulding's testimony, even, about the trial gained a lot of attention, not only because it sounded very rehearsed, but because it was a very polished and heroic thing to say that got a lot of attention. He is um, reported to have said, no, by God, if you would not give us 10,000 guineas, you should not stir a step in response to Andre trying to bribe the three captors. Now, whether or not he said that in particular, we are not certain, but it became sort of a hallmark of the bravery and patriotism of the three captors. History is written by the winners, and sometimes the losers too. In the end, none of this really matters, as the three captors were still revered as heroes, as we can see even from a book that was published in the 1890s called Brower's Life Masks of Great Americans by Charles Henry Hart. And in this book, all three of the captors, Paulding, Van War, and Williams, are all featured in it, alongside other famous Americans, including Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, Dolly Madison, and James Madison. So it can be seen that while Paulding did not get his funds that he hoped for and that his name had been dragged through the mud a little bit, it did not have a lasting effect on him permanently or the three other captors. And the same thing had happened also to Andre. He had been glorified and deified as a martyr almost, this handsome young, brave soldier who was so cruelly cut down in the prime of his life. Not only were plays and books and songs written about Andre as well, but in 1821, the British government petitioned the Americans to try to retrieve Andre's body, which had been buried in Tapan, New York, and he succeeded. So he was reinterred that year 
in none other than Westminster Abbey, one of the highest honors that anyone of British citizenship could ever achieve. Act 5. Implications of the Capture I was wondering what would have happened if he hadn't been captured at that spot. I mean, it was very happenstance that they Bad got stuff. Bad stuff would have happened had he not been captured. Would we have even won the war? Well, probably not. That probably, that would have been, you know, the, uh, the American cause at that time was at a low ebb because it was just grinding on. And the resources available to America were you know, uh, were being used up. So the other part was that people often get confused about West Point, what the very nature of West Point is, because uh, at that, at today it's a school, it's a, it, it's a college, right? But back then it was a fortress, it was a major fortress. One of the reasons that Andre requested that command is so that he'd be in a position to give it away. Henry means Arnold and not Andre. Uh, and he fully realized what a disaster that would be for the American cause. That essentially, that would that was the key to the security of the Hudson Valley, which, uh, you know, and who, who held the Hudson Valley would decide who won the war. Because uh, that would essentially drive a wedge between the colonies, the New England col colonies and the rest of the colonies. And uh, also just strategically, the Hudson was so important, which is why the British headquarters was located in Manhattan. That's why they chose Manhattan to locate their headquarters because it was so central. I think the fall of West Point probably would have led to the end of the American effort. So now what do we do with this monument? We know more about the story. We know that it is not as cut and dry as it seems. And we also know now it's an incredibly important event that could have changed America entirely. So what do we do to recontextualize the monument? Do we maybe change the plaques on it? Do we maybe add something or rewrite it? There is always the possibility of educating the public without speaking down to them. There's a problem with American monuments these days. They can decode the information and they let the random viewer see a happy-go-lucky image without giving them the full realization of the story that not everything in America is as clean and bright and shiny as we would want it to be. Sometimes there are shades of gray, and we need to see these things to fully understand who we are. And there is more to this. This monument is a symbol of an incredibly important moment, whether we believe the captors or whether we believe Andre. What happened there? could have changed the entire fate of America as we know it. If we had lost the war, what would that mean for democracy as a whole? What would that have meant for America and its history? Would we have still been colonies? Would that have changed what the world looks like? And it's funny to think that this one little moment that could change everything, something so innocuous and so small, and yet... The ripple effect that we can see from that is vast.
This has been an episode of Monument Biography. To learn more, visit us online at stellaonline.art. That's S-T-E-L-L-A online.art. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. A special thank you to our guest, Henry Steiner. Our theme music is by Emily DeWolfson. Additional music by Borromeo String Quartet. This episode was produced and edited by Bolly Bernhardt and me, Emily Newmeyer. Our thanks to the folks at Temple University and especially Katie Gagenheimer for their support. The production team's home base is the Tyler School of Art and Architecture in beautiful downtown Philadelphia. That's it for now. Until next time, take care. Take care.